As we seek to do each Sunday, we read a chapter from a book of the Bible, reading through a book of the Bible, then we'll go to another, reading without comment. And in this particular chapter, God is addressing the nation of Israel and their wonderings, but God faithfully pursues them. Last week, we discussed or began to discuss abortion and hopefully desire to wrap that up this morning. And a few things that I would remind you of that there's no need to attempt to win a debate or prove someone wrong when it comes to abortion. Life is central to the issue of abortion, not when does life begin. One source of authority will determine the conclusion one comes to, whether it be scripture, human opinion, or something else. Abortion is not an issue of correct facts, but a moral choice and faith. And as we interact with several portions of scripture this morning, I will not be taking time to explain the context. I have considered the context, seek to use scripture in its context, so I'm not proof texting where I just go to scripture to prove a point. I'm trying to let the scripture speak for itself in its context. A couple of things that I mentioned last week, not looking for response. Do you agree or disagree? Life has no beginning and no end. Life does not begin at conception or birth. Do you agree or disagree? Human life in a physical body had a beginning, but has no end. Last week, we began to look at some scripture and some statements, just review the statements briefly. God, Christ, is life. God, Christ, is our life, depending if you're looking at it individually or as a unit. God, Christ, is creator. God, Christ, is creator. God, Christ, is eternal. Always was, always is, always will be. God Christ, our sovereign, independent, self-existing, they need no one and no thing to continue their existence. We also discussed that God Christ gave life to Adam's physical body at creation. It was not new life, but life from him, that is God and Christ. We also mentioned that there is a marked difference between human life and animal life and plant life. Adam, Eve, were created in God's image. We also mentioned that there is no additional physical life directly from God or Christ after Adam. Only reproduction. Conception is not new life. But a living egg, a living sperm, coming together to form a unique, one-of-a-kind individual. Life is not new in the individual, but a continuing life in a new physical body. We also mention, in way of statement, life does not begin at conception. Rather, a unique individual is conceived from living beings. 
life continues or is reproduced. Then last week we wrapped it up with discussing only life can produce life. There is no new life since life, God, are eternal. Yet a new individual, but not new life. Living egg, living sperm come together in new, unique individual, but life continuing being reproduced. Life never began, nor does it end. God, Christ, is life, and they are eternal. Life in a physical body began in Adam, that is, life was given by God to physical body that God created. Physical life may be taken temporarily, but the body will be raised. The person never dies. I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And again, we will spend just a very brief amount of time in this passage. Luke chapter 16, and I'll begin reading with verse 19. Luke 16 and verse 19. Luke 16 and verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he lifted up. I'm sorry, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that he who would want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warm them, so that they will not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, they do not listen to Moses and the prophets. They will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The passage, I think, clearly implies that We're dealing with one who goes to be with the Lord and one who goes to be in his place of torment. And it has a ring of eternality. The rich man died physically, but he was alive. Lazarus died physically, but he continued to live. And if you look in 1 Thessalonians 4, we won't turn to that passage 
But in 1 Thessalonians 4, it talks about believers who die. And their bodies will be raised in the future. In Revelation 19 and 20, it talks about unbelievers being raised in the future and they will be standing at the white throne judgment. So my contention is that life never began, nor does it end. God, Christ, or eternal. Yes, God, Christ, created a physical body, Adam's physical body, breathed into it the breath of life. But it's life from God. And we may die. Someone may be killed temporarily in terms of the body, but we'll be raised in the future. The human body in which a person lives had its beginning in Adam, who reproduced others down to the present. But the human body has no end. Only temporary rest. For the unbeliever, I don't think it would be rest. But in the future, we'll be raised eternal. You know, fitted for eternity, whether with the Lord or separated from the Lord for an eternity. Again, we referred to River, or I'm sorry, Genesis 128, Psalm 139 we mentioned last week. We'll refer to Revelation in just a little while. Please understand that life is not the result of conception or pregnancy, nor does it end with abortion. Conception is a unique individual formed through life from dad and mom. Life does not begin at conception. Because you have living egg, living sperm coming together. Yes, a unique individual is being formed, but life does not begin at conception. Because life is before conception. God breathed into Adam the breath of life. Took Eve from Adam, or made Eve from Adam's rib. And just simply understanding that the debate for years has been, does life begin at conception or at birth? No. Neither. Physical life began in Adam, and it has continued down through the ages with a living egg, living sperm, and a new unique individual, yes. But their life did not begin then because you had a living egg and a living sperm. In Genesis 1, which we read last week, we found that God commanded Adam and Eve to reproduce. He breathed into them the breath of life, and they reproduced. Life does not die, but the body in which one lives will die temporarily. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. Coming to the end of time as it is known in Revelation chapter 20. We would be at the end of what we call the tribulation period. Revelation 20 and verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. 
And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Now notice, he sees the dead standing before the throne. Another book was open, which is a book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is a second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And I realize my statement that I make. Life does not die, but the body in which one lives will die temporarily. Carries with it some connotations. As I study scripture, I think the second death is separation from God for an eternity. Those that are present at this judgment in Revelation 20 are unbelievers. Apparently being judged according to their works to determine the degree of punishment as they're separated from God. But they're living. We may take someone's physical life, but we don't kill the person. We're killing the body in which they lived. But in the future, that body would be raised. The taking of physical life is a very serious offense. It is the taking of life of of one which is made in the image of God. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 9. And I realize that there's been a debate for years concerning capital punishment. Should we use capital punishment or should we not? And some will say, well, it's under the Mosaic Law and Mosaic Law was done away with. Well, Genesis 9 is an account of something taking place before the Mosaic Law. This is after the flood. Noah, his wife, three sons and their wives have come out of the ark. Notice what is said to Noah. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground, and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you, just as I gave you the green plants. Now I give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from every man, too, I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man his blood shall be shed. For he, or for in the image of God, has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiplying the earth and increase upon it. Again, the command to reproduce sounds similar to what he told Adam and what he told Eve. But in that context, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. When 
the physical life of an individual is taken by another individual, you're taking the life of someone that was made in the image or is made in the image of God. Whether it be a fetus at two days old or a fetus at nine months old or a fetus at six months old or someone who has already been born. We won't turn to uh, the passage, but in the New Testament, it talks about the fact that even our words need to be weighed carefully on how we speak to another person because they're created in the image of God. So some conclusions concerning life, concerning abortion. First one, the abortion debate is not about when does life begin, but where does life come from? For years the debate has been, does life begin at conception or at birth? Let's change the nature of the debate when it comes up, does it begin at conception or at birth? Let's say, where did life come from? That's a different question. Where did life come from? Well, we would say God. Because he breathed into Adam the breath of life. Where life came from is a totally different issue than when does life begin. Life never began. It always was. God is life. Christ is life. They're eternal. So God, Christ, who are life, gave life, their life, to a physical body for Adam. Again, that changes the nature of the discussion. If we remove the eternal, sovereign, living God, Christ as creator, the nature of the argument shifts to when does life begin rather than the source of life. See, one of the reasons... God, Christ, are removed as creator is because if we have no creator, then we can do with life as we please and there's no accounting. And to a large extent down through the ages, God and Christ have been removed as creator. If God is not creator, if Christ is not creator, do what you want. There's no accounting. There is no God. The crux of the abortion debate is not when does life begin. The crux of the abortion debate is that we have laid aside God, Christ as creator. It goes back to Genesis 1 through 11. The abortion debate has become what it is because God, Christ as creator is set aside. In many respects... The core battle has already been lost in that God, Christ, as creator, as recorded in Genesis 1 through 11, is rejected or passively laid aside by many religious people and teachers. The foundational issue, the very core issue, is whether Genesis 1 through 11 will be accepted as given by God. 
If Genesis 1 through 11, with God as creator, with Christ as creator, is rejected, then human opinion becomes authority. Why do you think the enemy, down through the ages, has worked so hard to let Christ presented be presented, but God, Christ denied as creator? There's no need for Jesus Christ if God and Christ are not creator, because if they're not creator, there's no Adam, there's no sin, there's no fall, there's no death, and you don't need a Savior. Acceptance or rejection of God, Christ as creator, is, is an issue of faith. not proof of a creator God. Sometimes we think if I can just give enough evidence, I can convince people that God is creator. No, you won't. Because what we believe about the beginning of things in the earth is an issue of faith. Let's take our Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We may claim we can prove that God is creator. Well, let's see what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith. We understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith. We understand that the universe was formed at God's command. How do I know God created the universe? Because God said he did. I accept God's testimony by faith. I wasn't there. You weren't there. Well, you say the world tells us they can prove that the earth evolved. They can't prove it any more than I can prove that God created. Oh, there's evidence that God created, but not dogmatic proof. There's no proof that the world evolved. But yet we're told that and been told that for many, many years that we can demonstrate scientifically that the world evolved. You can't scientifically. It's based on what they think happened in their terminology, millions of years ago, with tests they do. Were they there? No. I will much sooner take the testimony of the one who was there than the testimony of those who think they know with what evidence they consider evidence of what happened billions of years ago. Unless you think I am a believe the earth came about billions of years ago, I believe in a young earth. I'm speaking from the perspective of what the evolutionists may think. Please understand, the issue of creator is not an issue of proof as much as an issue of faith. So someone says to me, Pastor Dan, you believe the earth was created? Yes, how do you know? God said so in Genesis chapter 1. 
Oh, you believe God? Yes, I take God's word by faith. And I say to that individual, how do you know the earth evolved? Well, I read all this scientific stuff. Well, how do you know that that is true? Well, there's some evidence, you know. What's the evidence? And they may list some things. Well, how do you know that is true? And if you keep pushing, the bottom line is they take it by faith. Yes, there are many evidences for creation and answers in Genesis and Creation Research Institute and others have done excellent work, you know, and explaining creation and I commend their work. But it's still an issue of faith. We play into the enemy's territory when we get caught up in the debate of when life began. Remember, life never began. It always was, always is, and always will be. Because Christ, God, our life. In the abortion debate, we should also ask people about their authority and its source. The bottom line is in whom or what will we place our faith as our source of authority? We all have some source of authority. Remember, faith is central. We all, or uh, remember faith is central. Many individuals choose to reject God, Christ as creator, since they want no, do not want accountability for following his laws. They live as independent beings who are free to do as they please. I grew up in a home where there was a great deal of accountability. Informally, many times, not formally. So dad would tell us what we were supposed to do on a Saturday. And at night, dad rarely asked us if we did what we were supposed to do. But it became quite evident in a day or two if we didn't do it. So if we didn't gather the eggs and wash them, The next day, rather than having 10 eggs in a nest, you had 20 with 15 of them broken. No informal accountability along the way. We learn very quickly that uh, you don't try to get out of doing what you were supposed to do. So by the time I was five or six, I knew that when dad and mom told us to do something, we better do it. And if we didn't, there was going to be consequences. So by the time I was 13 or 14, usually I didn't have to be told what to do. Get up Saturday morning. Well, what am I supposed to do today? Well, here's what I'm supposed to do. If I don't do it, I know what's going to happen. Because there's accountability. But if dad was not around, mom was not around, and there was no accountability, I can tell you what we would have done. Eggs would have never get gathered, they would never get washed, the steers wouldn't have get fed, and the chickens would have died in time, and the steers would have died in time, and the pigs would have died, and we wouldn't have to take care of them. See, if we can lay aside the accountability, we're free to do as we please.
So you're talking to someone concerning abortion. What's your source of authority? Oh, it's these people that say the world evolved. I see. Well, my source of authority is God. You will come to one conclusion. I will come to another conclusion because we have different sources of authority. But let me ask you a question. If my source of authority is correct, if God is my source of authority, is correct, what are you going to do when you stand before him one day and give an account? If your source of authority did happen to be correct, you don't have anything to be worried about, but suppose mine is correct. You know, you're just trying to challenge them to think. Abortion is an attack on God, Christ. I'm speaking broadly as creator of physical life and of those who are made in God's image. Abortion is the taking of a physical, the physical life of an eternal human, that is, eternal in, from the time of conception on, not past. Parents, beware. Consider the authority source of news, commentators, Teachers, textbooks, etc. Much of the information we receive comes from a rejection of Genesis 1 through 11, thus, a rejection of God as Creator. This influences one's total life outlook, what they write, what they speak. The very source of our faith is constantly being undermined by the media. When a child turns 20 and we say, why in the world are they not sold out to God? Why don't they believe in a creator God? Step back and ask yourself how much time they spent taking in media that was neglecting God as creator. Beloved, we cannot Take in hours of media, whether it be television, whether it be radio, whether it be movies, whether it be books, whether it be newspapers, without it having an influence upon us. Nor can I produce something without my worldview coming through. So today's paper, you will see a little blurb on the front page of the Times Leader about Rendell, and depends on your take on Rendell as to whether you think he was an asset or not to Pennsylvania. As I glanced at the headlines and just briefly looked at a couple of comments in the article, my thought immediately came back to, now Dan, you need to step back and evaluate Rendell in light of Scripture and a biblical worldview with God as Creator. Because if I don't, it will change my outcome. I remember being in a hotel. I think Ruth Ann was with me that time. We went to a conference. And the debate, let me back up. 
I walked right into that one, didn't I? The reason I say it that way is because <laughs> I've been to conferences alone and I've been with a pastor friend, so no other females. <laughs> I'm glad I caught that one. <laughs> but anyway, sitting there watching the debate between Rendell after his first term, I can't even remember who he was running against. And as they were debating things, and Rendell was explaining what he had done, and the other guy was taking him to task about some things. As I sat there and watched, I'd say, where's the worldview coming from? From both of them. I'm not saying avoid the media totally. I'm saying beware of it. And we as adults, as children, as teens, need to be sensitive as to its impact upon our lives. To be very honest, I would have probably been sucked into denying God as the source of authority when I was in college if I had not been clearly taught beforehand. I can remember very clearly sitting in biology class with the evidences for evolution being presented. I could filter through that and say, this isn't correct, this isn't correct. Well, they say, where's the missing link? Well, God's the missing link, you know, and there are just a lot of things I could put in place because of it. Much heat in the abortion debate is due to basing our comments on a different source of authority. The debate will not be won with more information, nor will it be won with laws, although they are profitable. I think we need to seek good laws. We're dealing with a moral choice to reject or accept God as creator. Now I want to add something to that. I think there's a need to sit down with those who may be considering abortion and talk to them and relate to them because they may not understand issues. They may think that life does begin at birth because that's what we've been told. And if you can sit down and reason and say, no, life didn't begin at birth. It didn't begin at conception. It began physically in Adam. Now that changes the whole nature of it. But most of where we end up in abortion is our source of authority. So information be good, may be good, but it won't be won with that alone. In dealing with or responding to some individuals, information is necessary just because it is lacking in our world. I trust that you will take what I shared last week and this morning, and we'll have some informal discussion tonight, some interaction, I'll have some questions, uh, give opportunity to respond. But ponder what we have discussed Consider a lot of scripture this, last week. We considered some this week and then discussed some conclusions. And it's not something we should take lightly. Since 1973, over 45 million lives have been taken through abortion. You say, well, our nation did that. I didn't. I'm not saying you did or did not. 
But what a nation does, what leaders does, influences the nation as a whole. You will study history. What is, happens on a national level always influences the nation in time. We're dealing with a very important issue. You may not be able to do anything directly, but we will consider some options in light of our discussion tonight. How do we live in an abortion-centered world walking in the Spirit, being sought, light, and ambassadors?